Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome again to another podcast episode of Talk Architecture. I'm your host, Naziati Mohammed Yaqub, and the topic of today's discussion or monologue is a section where I am looking at written by Christopher Alexander in his book, The Nature of Order. And this section is called A Group of Architecture Students Who Were Not Pleasing Themselves. I get a bit of alarm when I'm not doing my job in trying to create a brief in the studio that would allow the students to be pleased with themselves. It's also to do with the um, studio coordinator or studio master trying to get a program sorted for the students so that they could actually explore themselves or whatever outcomes would please them or they're pleased with what they do. It's not just one thing, but many things. But the observation in which Christopher Alexander wrote with his um, experience here is very interesting. And I would like to read it to you. Yes, the title is Seven, A Group of Architecture Students who were not pleasing themselves. Perhaps 10 years ago, I was invited by a fellow professor of architecture at the University of California to be a critique in the final review of his master's class. His students were in their last year and they had spent the year working on a project for an office building. When I came to the review, the students' drawings were all around the walls. Other jury members began making comments, but for a long time I kept quiet. I hate juries. It always seems so difficult to say anything useful when one comes in fresh, not knowing the problem. I do not really believe in it as a system of education, so I kept quiet and sat in my corner. After half an hour or so, I felt that I couldn't go on keeping quiet. And out of politeness, I felt I had to say something to the students. I had been studying their buildings as best I could. The designs were, for the most part, rather conventional five to ten story office buildings. For a site on Oxford Street in Berkeley, buildings of a typical modern or postmodern flavor. As I studied the buildings, I began to think, then came to something near a conviction that there had been very little love or affection for these buildings in the students' hearts while they were working on the project. So I cleared my throat <clears throat> and said that I wanted to make it make an observation. I felt I said that the students did not really like their buildings. There was a minor stunt silence when I said this. One of the students asked me in an acid voice what I meant by it. 
So I went on to say this. I realize you have done your best, done work that on some level you like, but it's not real liking. You do not really like what you have done in the same ordinary sense that you like a hamburger or a rose. That is what I mean. I'm convinced. I said more empathetically that you do not genuinely like your own work, which is hanging on the walls here in this ordinary sense. Something like a pandemonium broke out. The students were angry with me and they were up in arms. And how dare I make such a statement? They had been working on these projects all year. They said, what did I know about it? How could I come in from the outside and suggest that they didn't like what they had been doing? I explained then that I felt the conditions of contemporary architecture were such at the time around 1990 that it was difficult and almost impossible for anyone, genuinely in the deep sense, I mean, to like what he or she was doing, that the conditions of an architect were such that one was supposed to follow certain norms, show one's proficiency in certain ways, excite the imagination or tease the intellect or show that one was capable of playing the game of professional architecture, able to do it well so as to compete with other architects who had also learned to play this game, but that none of this had anything to do with pleasing oneself or liking what one did in the true ordinary sense, which is familiar to us in so many areas of everyday life. My discussion with the students lasted about half an hour. Gradually, by the end, I had led them to admit that, in the sense that I meant it, in the ordinary sense, they really did not like what they had done and what they had been doing, that indeed the conditions of their work had never emphasized this point at all, had made no provision for it, and that it had never even been suggested to them while students that they should like or might like what they were doing. That was just not part of the professional discipline being taught to them. And yet I said to them, how terrible! This means you can't expect to live your life making buildings that you do not really like. And even worse, that the others in society who live with the buildings made in this loveless spirit will spend hours, days, years living with these products of an unliked and unlikable architecture done only because it was the thing to do, the way to get jobs and the way to impress one's fellow architects. I think by the end of that afternoon, some of the students had begun to wonder very deeply about what they were doing. One or two perhaps had resolved that they must find a way of making buildings where they could afterwards stand up and say, honestly, I like what I did and I truly like what I have done. It pleases me. This aspect of architecture education, we're not talking about practice here, but practice influence how the students of architecture act and behave. And if Christopher Alexander did not raise this during that jury session, the students wouldn't know, wouldn't think of it deeply 
the few that maybe think of it deeply would not otherwise think of it deeply and they would never question this point of view or this aspect that they are required to like what they do. I think that connection is always to do with connection and that sense of empathy when designing is unbelievably underestimated in much of architecture education and courses in which you are out to really produce something that is competency, that shows a level of competency in dealing with the building type or a brief given, and that one would critique the feedback that one gets from the uh, visiting critiques and other lecturers and their own tutors the feedback that they get is to do with nothing to do with whether they like the building, whether they are pleased with themselves. It has to do with whether the building works, what is, what do you do, what was the process, or what was the drawing, was your inspiration, and maybe not even that. Maybe just launching into... Um, picking on the buildings in terms of the aesthetics of form making or just going through aspects of the buildings in which competency does not link to compassion. That when we talk about the architectural sensibilities in which way we design everything really, an architect has to look at everything, aspects of buildability, aspects of, of making decisions based on the codes of practice, aspects of making decisions on the building type and how, whether it works, the size of the corridors and what does it mean. The delight in the design can be shown if the students actually ask some questions why in the first instance asking the question why an office building and what is an office building and how do you actually make an office building a delightful place to work in so there would be people asking that question in the jury normally. But I would start to think now that that's is the exception when one asks about delightful space and whether you like it and whether you enjoy doing this project and and whether you find it that you learn something from the project and whether you um would challenge with this project in your architectural sensibilities and not only in actually handling a more complex project in a year-long project but actually asking those questions along the way was it just plain smooth sailing without any challenges or were there any uh, time in the whole year that you come and 
get conflicted about something or that you had to uh, dive deep into uh, understanding aspects of designing for other people that uses the office. So if, if it was smooth sailing all the way, I wonder what was the feedback that was given earlier that arrived to this point where Christopher Alexander felt that there were no love or no liking what they are doing. I mean, another thing is that the attitude or the behaviors that the um, students of architecture at that time, they sort of not connected with the project. They sort of separated from the whole affair, thinking that this is just a job of putting things together and and I don't see myself using this building, meaning I'm not really connected to this design and I'm just looking out for when I graduate eventually soon enough. And um, the action really is when I work when I start working after graduation, if this is the final year, I myself am curious that it's an office building project in the final year before they did the masters. But as I recall, in the fourth year, students of architecture did office building. But this one seems to be easier than what I encountered. It was to do with them. Um, of five or eight stories building because um, the one that I've encountered in my school of architecture before was um, 20 stories, 15 to 20 stories. And that was even more dry. It was to do with talking about, what do you call it? Um, for means of escape and fight the fight, firefighting services and and more of mechanical engineering issues and structural issues. Oh well. Interesting enough, the topic that recounted today came from chapter 10 on pleasing yourself. And there is a quote here from a 10th century poem written by the Sufi saint and poet Halaj. I saw my Lord with the eye of the heart, and I said, Who art thou? He answered, Thou. And so the reflection of oneself in the heart of things. Um, and the heart of thing is that particular project that you are adventuring with, you know, venturing with and venturing into or something that is the thing that is the most important thing at the moment for the students of architecture at that time. In any building type, I would suggest that even if it's an office building, there are human beings going to use that office building. I mean, when we come to School of Architecture, if you have a project that has nothing to do with human beings, maybe a factory and much of the factory design is to do with um, storage or um, um, processes that have machinery in it. Um, so the percentage of that design has not to do with people or 
a building type that has to do with non-people or animals, such as uh, a zoo or something of that nature, where, oh yes, much of the spaces are dedicated to non-human spaces, and and it's really a visitor center at the end of the day. There's an introduction page here, which um, I could um, um, relate to what we have discussed just now, which is under that section on pleasing yourself, um, which is chapter 10. The introduction after that quote by Halaj says, An implicit assumption I have made repeatedly that is that each one of us has within us a best self, a deep self to which we may appeal where our sense of harmony and right comes from. In the language I've used earlier, this best self which lies within us is also that I or great self of which we are a part and it is that self to which we appeal when we ask which of two things is more more like a picture of the self. It is a constant reservoir within us of all that is good. It is significant too that living structure may be identified empirically by the extent to which it is a picture of one's self. Here again, it is this reference which each person can make to a nearly universal entity existing within all of us. And it is this reference which provides us with the surest guide to what is living structure and what is not. So in this chapter, I am embarking on something that is a culminating statement to emerge from these four books, even though it may at first sound modest. In order to create living structure, we must please ourselves. This single prescription covers the whole environment, covers everything essential. If you want to create transcendent unity, true living order in a building, you need to please yourself. And you need only please yourself, but you must please yourself truly. And to do that, you must first discover your own true self, come close enough to it and listen to it so that it can be pleased. Does this sound absurd? And it does. And does it sound too easy? It is not absurd. And it is that kind of easy, which is so hard, that on most days, it is almost undoable because to do it, we have to break down every resistant force that remains in us. To reach the ultimate I, the transcendent ground of all existence, You have to reach yourself. To make the great work, you have to do that thing which lies in you like a small child, not hidden, just waiting there, and push aside every day of your life so that you never realize that it is, after all, this which waits, this which is the ultimate of which we are capable. If true, then if If it can be made practical, this would be amazing. Having grown up in an era of moralistic prescriptions of laws, rules, theories, 
regulations, prescriptions, all well-meaning, but all ultimately incapable of creating living structure. It would be astonishing, truly amazing to find out that if we can only learn how to please ourselves, that prescription by itself will always create living structure. Now, when you say about pleasing ourselves, the endeavor, the main endeavor that Christopher Alexander said, just to please ourselves, you create a living structure, which means if you want to please others, others meaning other people that is going to see your work or going to create a critique on your work, you're trying to please others, it may be a dead structure. It is dead. It is just prescriptive. There you have an era of moralistic prescriptions of laws, rules, theories, regulations. So we have been down this road before where we argue that, you know, during a Crete session, we should discuss, we don't need to discuss about this um, uh dead structures or moralistic prescriptions of laws, rules, theories, regulations. We don't, we just, we need to get to the heart of it, the heart of the matter. And which is the matter is, the heart of the matter is to do with the living structure. So it has to do with the structure that is giving joy to the people who is using that, that building in a way that when you look into yourself, liking yourself, trying to please yourself, you would be connected to the people that's going to use that building. That's what Christopher Alexander suggests here by living structure. So I think that concludes these um, the discussion for today where we at start with chapter 7. And um, to do with a group of architecture students who were not pleasing themselves. And then we reflected on that. And then we went to the beginning of the chapter number 10 on pleasing yourself and read the introduction under the book, The Order of Nature, um, by... Sorry, The Nature of Order by Christopher Alexander. Yeah, The Nature of Order, please excuse me today, um, by Christopher Alexander. So with that, I just leave it to you to think about this topic and and how Alexander, the critique is, for me reading this, is that how Alexander took a view or took his understanding of a session that he attended and the importance of pleasing oneself to much of um, the endeavor of creating architecture. So it is interesting to read the rest of the chapter in different in different aspects, but for this for now it is to do with architecture education and also it's to do with being a human being and being an architect the training of an architect. 
and how one sees oneself as a professional doesn't mean that one is separated from one's soul in it or one's happiness from doing it. A job is not just a job in this way. Okay, thank you very much for listening and meet you at another time. Ta-da!